are listening to the Grassroots Sermon Podcast. For more information about who we are or how you can become involved, please visit us at grassrootswv.com. Are you reading out of 1 Corinthians? If you have your Bible, please turn there. We're going to start at the first chapter in verse 1. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sothothenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who live in every place, call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there's quarreling among you, my brothers. And what I mean is that Each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that when you were baptized in my name, I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Let's pray. Lord, here we are. God, we just just stand before you, Lord, in awe. Jesus, we just thank you this morning for the privilege to approach boldly the throne of grace. Lord, I just ask, God, in the church, God, in Greenbrier County, Lord, the church in West Virginia, the church of America, God, God, that we would be united under one banner, under one Lord, Christ Jesus. God, teach us humility, God. Teach us to love, Father. God, I ask that you would just increase the capacity of our hearts, Lord, to receive your love. God, that in turn, Lord, we could pour it out on our brothers and sisters. God, that it wouldn't be hard, God, but it would be a thing of ease because we rest in our identity in you. We rest in our love in you, God. God, would it be so in this age? In Jesus' name. All right. Um, just real quick, want to... Let everybody know, if you haven't seen online, we've been uh, letting people know. The weekend after Valentine's Day, the 15th and 16th, we're going to have our annual marriage conference. Um, 
right here at the theater. Uh, on your announcement sheet, you can see the details for that. It's $15 a couple uh, right here. I'm really excited about it. Um, it we're not going to have child care on premise, but if you need child care, we can let you know uh, where that might be um, able to be found. Uh, to help you out, but $15 a couple, and, uh, and that's all it costs and includes. We'll have drinks, snacks, uh, the, the book, um, all the materials for the conference, and so excited to be able to offer that for, for each one of y'all uh, that would like to be a part of it, whether you are getting ready to be married, haven't been married very long, been married for a while, uh, no matter where you are in life, this uh, marriage conference is fantastic, and so... Um, Real quick, raise of hands. I need uh, just some interaction with y'all real quick. How many of y'all caught our Facebook Live video from last Sunday? Raise your hand, okay? You may be seeing this, okay. Um, you, y'all might get a little bit of a recap um, from that, uh, just kind of going back over. Uh, if, if you weren't um, aware, uh, if there, we ever cancel on Sunday, we do Facebook Live um, just to give people some ideas and, and everything. And, and now that I see Adam and Jesse standing in the back, I remember that I'm supposed to let all of our Oaks kids go at this time. Um, so all of you elementary age, uh, first through fifth grade, K through fifth, first through fifth, I should know, but I don't remember at the moment. Yeah, I'm a little bit scattered. So go, go. Don't wait. Go now. That's it, parents. Push them. Push them out in the aisle. If you see a kid hesitating next to you, push them. I mean, encourage them. Um, all right, I don't want to start a debate today. I don't want to start a debate. But I do want to ask a very simple question, okay? And I want honesty from y'all. I think we can remain in unity no matter what. Um, how many of y'all got spanked when you were a kid? Okay, raise your... Okay. How many... As a teenager? Okay, a few of us. Thank you, Lord. Um, Okay, so uh, just wanted to check. I didn't want to feel alone. But uh, I, was, I was an active kid. We're going to use that word, active. I was an active child. Um, and, and I remember as a child when, when I got spanked, um, something about it didn't add up to me. Okay, so my dad would... would Start with, um, and, and how, okay, I say this all the time. Moms, don't do this, okay? The wait till your dad gets home thing is just brutal on the kids, and it's brutal on the dad. Oh, you walk in the door excited to be home, and your kid starts crying, and you're like, I didn't even do anything yet. <laughs> don't, don't do that, okay? But I can remember when I got spanked, my dad would start with, son, I love you, and I'm like, well, then let's talk. Like, let's, if you love me, let's discuss, okay? Clearly, I've learned my lesson. I will not do it for the rest of the day again. Um, so, but in that, I would, I would, you know, hear him, I love you. Um, I don't want to have to do this, okay? And, and, of course, my thought is, you don't, you know, you don't have to do this. Uh, but then he would spank me. And there's still, it's still, listen to me. That belt still hangs in his closet. And it still tugs at my heart when I see it. Like, I'm like, it's still fear in me, okay? That's, it, it's a metal buckle, and it has a little blue and red and green stone 
in, listen, it's vivid, okay? It's here. It's not going anywhere. And, and I see it, and, and, but he would spank me. And I remember um, at the end of the spanking, almost every time him just throwing the belt to the side and just scooping me up and just hugging me and, and almost on the verge of tears himself crying, you know, I love you. I don't want to have to do this. It's so hard. And I remember in those days, I remember just like wanting to call uh, you know, him on this and be like, this is not harder on you than it is on me, okay? Like, do you really love me? And then came the first time that I had to spank one of my boys, and it became painfully real that it is harder. You don't want to do it, but at times you have to. Now, I do want to give, this is some free parental advice, okay? Parental advice. Parental advice. Parental? Um, parental advice. Free parental advice. Um, to lighten the mood when you're getting ready to spank your child, jokes don't work. Please learn that from me. I remember I, I, Luke and I were in the car uh, last week, and he knew he was getting spanked. When he was getting, I'm just kidding. This is like a few years ago. Uh, I was going to have to spank him. We got him in. He knew it. We get into the garage. And listen, this is take, please learn from my mistakes. I'm offering up my mistakes, my humiliation and embarrassment. I almost said humility. That's not there. Um, <laughs> my humiliation. Uh, and we get into the, to the garage, and I want to get it done. I'm not like, let's eat dinner, and then we'll talk. You know, like, I'm like, let's get this over. And so trying to lighten the mood, I grab a two-by-four <laughs> and say, all right. And this look of sheer panic, and I was like, Okay, I never did it again, but learn from that. Okay, learn from me. Don't try to lighten the mood with jokes. Okay, it doesn't work. All right, but in all of this, I remember in the discipline from my father that uh, he he would he would love me, and he would affirm me, and he would teach me, and then he would discipline me, and then he would love me and affirm me and teach me. Every single time, he would do this. And, and so I've tried to make that a habit in my life as well, where, where there's an education to it, there's a learning to it, but it is just dripping with love. It is dripping with my desire for them to grow, to be godly men. And, and so um, I think that's what we see here in 1 Corinthians. A, a letter from Paul. Okay, if you, if you, real quick, a lot of you have them, um, hold up real quick. If you got, yeah, Derek's got one, hold it up. You got one of those books, you went and bought one of those books, okay? Um, on the back table, if you're unaware, there are some really cool journals back there. On one page are the scripture we're going through, and the next page is just blank for notes. Um, and they're just back there. There's a jar for a donation if you want to give a donation. We also have a, a year-long devotional back there as well. If you wanted to completely cover the cost, of what grassroots put out for those, um, and you want to take both, and you're like, I want to completely cover the cost, what would that be? The total cost to take both of them is only six bucks, okay? But if you're like, hey, I don't have six bucks on me, just take one, okay? We want you to have them, all right? But if you're like, hey, I can help out with some, then, then that's awesome. But, um, but in verses one and two, uh, we see that Paul, okay, with the brother Sosthenes, is writing this letter to the church in Corinth. And, and I think that's what we're going to see is uh, this is a letter dripping with love but filled with discipline, okay? 
uh, Paul, in a way, is giving this church uh, a bit of a verbal spanking, okay? Um, now, real quick, there should be a map. Where's the map? Do we have the map up there, y'all? I think I put it in there. We're going to see if we got it up there. There it is. Okay, so you can actually see all the way down here is Jerusalem, okay? Fly across the Mediterranean, and you can look up and see Corinth up here. Now, that distance, that flight, uh, would basically be like flying from here to New Orleans, Okay, it, it, that's the equivalent of that flight uh, to go from Jerusalem to there. Now, we know back then they didn't fly. You can actually see um, the, the pattern was actually by land and a little bit by sea, and then he came mainly back by sea, back to Jerusalem. But uh, if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to go with me to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18, I know you've never heard me say, turn in your Bibles to Acts. Uh, if you were here last year, you know that's what we went all the way through. But um, when we look at uh, Paul writing this letter in his second missionary journey, going to Corinth, uh, we see him actually plant the church in, Cor in Corinth. And uh, Acts chapter 18, uh, starting in verse 1, and just reading through verse 11, it says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Achilla, a native of Pontus, recently from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. For now, from now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Uh, Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household, and many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. We just read the account of the, the start of this church that this letter is written to. So understand that from the time um, Paul took his missionary journey, went to Corinth, spent the time there, planted the church, gathered the believers, left, got the report as we see in verse 10, um, or from verse 11, Chloe's report of what's going on in the church to the time he sends this letter back is actually around 50 to 55 AD. It's in that window. So to be honest, just to kind of put it in this room here, um, Grassroots was started in November of 2013. So this past November, we celebrated five years as a church. And so basically within that time is the equivalent of Paul coming in, gathering believers, sharing the gospel, seeing people give their lives to Jesus, pulling them together, forming a church, putting leadership over them, leaving, and then getting a report about what's going on and him sending this letter back. It's the equivalent time frame of where we're at. But there's something we need to understand about Corinth. 
okay? Corinth was a major trade route, settled between two major bodies of water, and so people would go through there uh, uh, in their travels of getting their things from one side to the other. It grew. There was a, a, a vibrant, active, big temple to, to uh, a god, a false god named Venus. Um, and we're going to learn about that more later on in the series. But in the midst of all that going on, this city was growing very vibrant. And actually at its height, at the height of Corinth, at its biggest and that surrounding area, just that area alone had the same population of our entire state. So it was a very active uh, you know, metropolitan area for the day. And, and so very much um, growing in a lot of different things from commerce, okay, uh, population, but then also intellectually, very uh, influenced by the Greek uh, culture. And so a lot of intellectual, a lot of philosophy, a lot of things going on. And so you get an idea of the context of this place where now the gospel has entered in, people have put their faith in Jesus, and now this church is, is active and growing, but there's some things that have taken place uh, that have happened. And so we see him write to them, and, and verses 1 and 2, we see him. It's Paul and Sosthenes, okay, who's a brother in Christ, and they're writing to the church in Corinth. They know he recognizes them as a local body and a part of the larger body, okay, the universal church, the universal body of God, of Christ. And, and so we see that he has recognized them as true believers. And then in verses 4 through 9, he begins to explain how thankful he is for them, how he has seen the manifestation of the Spirit active in them through spiritual gifts and the work of the Spirit in that. He has seen the church grow. They are lacking in nothing, and he is thankful for them. Um, Mark, who was up here earlier giving the announcement with me, uh, gave me this kind of idea of, of how to go about uh, working with people, and it's called the kiss-punch kiss. Punch kiss. Okay, so the kiss, you know, from my father in discipline was him loving me and teaching me and affirming me, kind of kiss, and the punch was the discipline, the spanking with the belt, and then the kiss was him afterwards hugging me and loving me, telling me, to, it's kind of this kiss, punch, kiss thing where, hey, listen, really love what you're doing, really appreciate you doing this, um, we do need to work on these things, just so you know, and, and kind of, we're kind of failing here, we're messing up here, and then, uh, you know, looking forward to the days ahead together, so if you ever have a conversation with me, okay, and it's like, hey, I really love you, and really appreciate you, However, then you know I am instituting the kiss-punch-kiss kiss method all right, of, of moving forward together, and, and some of y'all have done the same with me. And, and I think that's what's happened right here is Paul starts with the kiss. I love you. I affirm you as a church. I know that the Holy Spirit is active in you. We've seen the Holy Spirit active. We know that he has gifted you. You are lacking nothing. And then comes the punch. Then comes the punch. Um, just, just to kind of quote uh, P.H. Davids, it should be up here. There's a quote from him, and this is what it said. He said, the focus of Paul's concern is the church, its unity and purity. Paul is fighting to keep this church from disintegrating into a number of competing and bickering factions divided over moral and doctrinal issues. Furthermore, he wants to keep the focus of the church on Jesus, the exalted Lord. And we see in that Paul's focus for this letter is for the church, for their unity, for uh, their purity, because 
the culture of Corinth, the intellectualism, the, 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 you know, the, uh, the city life, the, the growing population, you know, all the influences that come with that had started kind of creeping into the church. And, and so if, if you're new to this series, we said it on Vision Sunday, I said it in the video last week, you're going to hear this, this question all year long, and I want you to think about it right now. Are you a citizen of, that's the name of this series, a citizen of, are you a citizen of the kingdom or are you a citizen of the culture? Is your life and your thinking and your beliefs influenced by the word of God and by the life that you live within and with the church and the kingdom of God? Or is it influenced by the culture around you, by the popular culture, by what's being preached through the radio, through the television, through multimedia, through social media, through all those things? What are you influenced by in a greater way? Are you a citizen of the kingdom, or the culture. Because listen, you cannot marry those two together. They are systematically opposed to one another. Okay, let me give you some examples. Um, I'm gonna give you some, uh, just three statistics, okay? And I understand statistics kind of can, can be a plus minus, can kind of waver, but they do give us a bit of a picture. Uh, a, a Christian research group called the Barna Research Group did a, um, a survey in 2017. So this is, this is not even two years ago. This is like a year and a half ago that they did this survey and they surveyed uh, Christians, okay? Now, I want you to remember that. These are individuals who say, yes, I'm a child of God, I'm a Christian, and they... Uh, interviewed and, and polled 1,500 uh, Christians from the ages of 18 to 50, okay? And so this is, this is what this poll found. 28% of Christians in this poll, okay? We've got to remember that. Say, we all pray to the same God no matter what name we use for that being. So the idea would be, well, you pray to Allah. That's the same God I pray to. Or you pray to Mother Nature. Well, that's the same God I pray to. It's just a different name. But Jesus said, and, and, and Scripture says, there is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved but Jesus Christ. And so we don't all pray to the same God. There is one God. And listen, if you want to read about God's power over false gods, I want you to just go back to the Old Testament Watch him take his children out of Egypt, and every plague that comes on Egypt is a direct attack on one of the false gods that Egypt worshipped. And then when you see uh, you know, the prophet of God and the prophets of Baal in this you know, kind of showdown on the mountaintop where he just kind of stands there as they wreck themselves calling on their God and he never answers and then, and then he calls down fire and it burns up both altars and, and we see God show forth that he is the true God. We do not pray to the same God, okay? Now, 20%, 20% now I want you all to catch this because we talk about purpose and meaning of life a lot in here. 20% meaning and purpose. This is 20% of Christians polled. Meaning and purpose come from working hard to earn as much as possible so you can make the most of this life. And Jesus himself in John chapter 13 in the great com uh, com commandment said, um, the greatest commandment, the greatest 
goal of this life, the greatest purpose of this life is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. And then in the great commission, giving us the purpose for our life to go into all the nations, proclaiming the gospel and and making disciples and teaching them to observe everything that he's commanded us to do. Our greatest purpose, our meaning in this life is not to make the most of this life. Listen, I'm just gonna throw this out there if you've read it, please don't be angry with me. You're, you, know, you, you can't read Joel Osteen and get your best life now. Okay? It's not true. Your best life will never be now. If your faith is in Christ, you know your best life is in heaven to come, face to face with Jesus, worshiping him in perfection for all eternity. That's our best life to come. And the last one, 13%. Now you're going, Darren, 13%. Okay, that's more than one out of 10. Okay, one out of 10. 13%, one out of 10. A, mm, a person's life has value only if society sees it as valuable. A person's life has value only if society sees it as valuable. Whereas we see as followers of Christ recognizing his creation marked by God, image bearers of our heavenly Father. All life has value. We don't put a rate on it. Now, all those things are to say, if you know somebody who's Muslim and praying to Allah, you know, my goal today is not that you run to them and be like, we don't pray to the same God. What now? That's not my goal. Okay? And, and understanding that our goal is not uh, if somebody that you know, you know, maybe a Christian seems to be kind of wrapped up in the world too much and everything. My goal is not for you to, you know, call them up at right after the gathering today and be like, hey, you need to know something. Now, if you get that opportunity, I, I invite you to lovingly say it. But then also as Christians, we recognize that all life has value. Because once we allow society to start determining what life has value. What stops them from determining somebody you love, somebody I love, somebody lives right next door to us, somebody that works with us, that their value doesn't have life and we can take it. So there's this marrying of the culture going on, not just in the church in Corinth, but in our church today in America. It's happening today. And that's why one of the goals of our uh, church, one of the goals of Grassroots for, for our vision this year is to pursue holiness together, which means that we want to resemble Jesus to the best of our ability in our lives as the Holy Spirit changes us and works within us and moves us forward. That is our goal, is to pursue holiness together because we see this marrying of culture and church coming together and we see the church turning its back on biblical truth. And listen, okay, kiss, punch, kiss, I love you, and I've told you over and over again, I would rather be nowhere else, I would not rather, I'd rather not be anywhere, I don't want to be anywhere else than right here with you. Last week, you can ask my wife, last week killed me, like I was just down all day, because I hate canceling. Because I love being with you. 
you will quit and leave this church before we turn our back on God's word. That's my promise to you as pastor. I will stand here alone preaching to empty seats before we turn our back on God's word. Because I want us and our goal is to pursue holiness together. And so, and then to finish, that was the punch, I love you. And I don't want to be anywhere else but right here this morning with you. Um, so, so Paul has started with the kiss. I love you. I affirm you. I see the work of the Holy Spirit in you. And then comes the punch, okay? Then comes the punch, starting in verse 10. Uh, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, uh, my brothers. Now, um, his appeal, that first punch, that thing that he's taught, you know, there's quarreling and fighting among you, and I'm appealing to you to be united, to stand together. And, and what that fight is, what that fight is, uh, verses 12 through 14, what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Paulus, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. Now, there had been this uh, fight rise up in the church at Corinth because some felt they were more important than others because they'd been baptized by Paul. Well, he's the one that planted the church. So clearly, we have a little bit higher you know, level than any of you here. And then others are going, yeah, well, this person's a leader in the church now. He's here now, and I was baptized by them. So I'm more important than you. And there's a, a fight that rises up in the church and division is happening because people are wanting power. They're wanting authority. They want to look down on other people. They want to feel more important than others. And, and this fighting's going on and Paul just, he, he gives the, the, the thankfulness for them and he kisses them and he loves them. And then he just, have you ever watched the videos? I love the videos, okay? You go on YouTube. I really should show one in here, but I don't know if we get past it once I did. Um, have you ever watched the video where they slow-mo punch somebody in the face? <laughs> have you ever seen the video? Like they also have them where they like hit somebody with a water balloon and it's slow-mo. You know, like they're great videos, but this whole book, like this whole letter to the church in Corinth uh, from now until the, end, uh, the beginning of the, the final chapter is like this one big slow-mo punch just coming across like, I love you and this is going to hurt and this is going to last a while. But he's saying, look at the fight among you. Some of you are trying to be more important than others because of who baptized you. I said, look, look at what his appeal is. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of who? Somebody answer. Jesus. Jesus. Listen, um, I get this picture. Did anybody else grow up? Um, yeah, nobody else grew up? Okay. Some of y'all still getting there. Um, did any of y'all, anybody else grow up putting together model cars? 
Anybody, or just, you know, like little things you put together. Maybe some of y'all like, hey, Legos, you like rock and roll the Legos. I still, I'll be honest with y'all, I still love getting Legos for Christmas, like for me. Like it's fun watching my boys, but when I get them, I'm like, score. Like I love it, okay? Um, but I get this picture in my head of the church growing and, and, and I get this picture of, um, you know, I can remember sitting there and, and trying as I got older to take my time, but, uh, but if I put all the pieces together, but didn't glue any of them. What's going to happen? It's going to fall apart. Okay. But as I put them together, I would, I would use a, uh, uh, did anybody else do this, a toothpick? And you'd put the glue on the tip of the toothpick because you didn't want to put too much glue because you didn't want to be in seam, but you wanted to look nice and I'd, I'd get it right there and I'd start putting them together and in the end, it would hold together because there's a bonding agent there. If I'm the reason this church stays together, there's kids in the room. Um, We're in trouble. If I'm the reason this church stays together, we're in trouble because I don't have the ability to keep us together. But he says, I am appealing to you through Jesus. And so I get the picture of, you know, kind of like me making the model, God sitting there with the church and bringing the pieces together and, and through Jesus and the Holy Spirit bringing us together and holding us together. We are knit together into a unit and we are able to be sustained through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit. That's what it's like. That's why he's appealing through Jesus. Because he said, listen, if you're counting on me baptizing you and that's what's gonna help the church move, he said, you're, you're in trouble. It's Jesus that knits us together and holds us together. Um, that's why in John chapter 13, in the great commandment, or yeah, the great commandment, um, he actually says, um, you know, talking about you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on to say, and through this love for one another, the world will know you are my disciples. That's what he says. That's what Jesus says. And then in John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer, we went through it in November. He said, uh, he's praying to God the Father. Jesus is praying to God the Father saying, God, let them be one as you and I are one because then the world will believe that you sent me. The world will know we are children of God by the love that we have for one another. And the world will know that Jesus is who he said he is because of the unity the church has. Why? I want you to think about our culture today. Why does the unity of the church preach that Jesus is who he says he is and that we are disciples of his? I want you to think about culture thinking. Think about culture thinking. Our culture today, you know what unity looks like in our culture today? We can be unified if you agree with everything I say. That's unity in our culture today. We can be unified if you agree with everything I say. I'll test it. Test it. Jump on social media today. State your opinion. And see if you don't find a whole bunch of people that will be unified with you because they agree with your statement. But see if you don't get a whole bunch of comments or little angry faces from the computer warriors out there because they disagree with your statement. 
Because in our world today, in our culture thinking, disagreement equals hate. That's what's preached. Disagreement equals hate. Now, I'm going to bring something up, and I want you to know, I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm not starting a debate. But just an example. With the whole thing that's going on with the border wall in Texas, one man said, if you support it, you're a white supremacist. That's the example I'm talking about. I'm not going to sit up here and affirm the wall or crush the wall or affirm anything. I'm just saying that's the example. We can be unified if you agree with everything that I'm saying because disagreement equals hate. And that culture has crept its way into the church. I know of a church that split recently. The church split. Now there are two churches. We call them splants. It's a split and a plant. Like it's a church plant, but it's a split, so it's a splant. That's what we call it. It's a church splant. Because the pastor drives a bus for the county during the week. And through driving that bus for the county, came in contact with a lot of lower-income children that didn't have a church home or a church family, and he started busing them to church on Sunday. And some of the more established uh, congregants, we'll use that word, uh, congregants, came to him and said, we don't want those types of children here. You need to stop bringing them. So the church split. Because in our world, agree with me, or you hate me. Why does it preach to the world? Why does it proclaim the gospel to the world when there's unity in the church and when we see the love for one another? Because the culture thinking of our world says that if you don't agree with me, you hate me. But the kingdom thinking within the church is, though we disagree, we are bound together by the Holy Spirit. We love one another through the gospel. And we have the example of Jesus Christ himself that Scripture teaches us in Romans, that while we were his enemies, he died for us. If we, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this, if we, as Christians claim the gospel, and read Romans, and say amen to Jesus, saying that while we were his enemies, that while we were his enemies, that he died for us, and we go amen, thank you God, and then we have a problem with somebody in the church, and we can't go to them and lovingly deal with it, then we haven't fully grasped the gospel. And if we can proclaim in Romans that while I was God's enemy, he died, Jesus died for me, glory to him. And there's somebody in your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, in your family that just believes completely different than you and you cannot love them well and you cannot share the gospel with them well and represent Christ to them well, you haven't fully grasped what the gospel is. Or we've allowed the culture to start influence on our way of thinking and our actions instead of letting the kingdom influence that. My prayer and hope for this series going through this year is that we'll be challenged, but lovingly challenged 
to allow the word of God, the church, the kingdom to begin influencing the way we see things, the way we speak towards things, the way we view people, the way we interact with people, and one another in this church that will be influenced by the kingdom in a greater way than it is the culture. And that the world will see the unity of the church here at Grassroots, yes, but our unity with other churches as well for the sake of the gospel and go, there's something to this. I'm going to invite the worship team back up here. And I just want to challenge you. Maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what? I don't even know about the gospel. I don't even know about Jesus. I, I, th- I think maybe I am a citizen of the culture instead of the kingdom. And you want to know more about that. Uh, I'm going to be down front right here. I'd love to talk to you about it. I would absolutely love to talk to you about it. But, but for those that are here that are Christians, that you're like, you know what, I know I'm a child of God. Maybe we see some places in our lives where we've allowed the culture to enter in more than we have the kingdom. I just want to encourage us in this time of worship and, uh, and, and giving that we would um, allow God to speak to our hearts. Allow God to speak into our lives and reveal those places and that we would repent of those places that we've allowed the culture to determine what we believe or, or how we act instead of allowing the kingdom and the word of God. Um, we're going to go into a time of worship through giving or through singing, but first we're going to go into a time of worship through giving. Uh, I've got, I see Mark and Jerry back there. If we could have two more uh, individuals that'd be willing to go back and volunteer um, as, as ushers, uh, if y'all would be willing to do that. Um, Keaton said he'd do it, and then there goes Jacob. Thanks, y'all. Um, we're going to come forward here in just a minute uh, as the worship team begins to play, and we want you to you know, really recognize this time as a time of worship through giving. Uh, you know, Just ask the Lord to take this and use it for his kingdom and for his glory. Um, and, and so I'm just going to pray for us as we enter into this time um, of, of giving and song. And so God, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for the church in Corinth uh, that we saw the work of the Spirit in them. Lord, we know that they were followers of yours, but they allowed the culture to influence them. And, and, and Lord, through that, we can learn. We can learn that. Uh, maybe there's places in our lives as well. And so I pray that you would just impact our hearts and our minds in that, Lord, that we would repent of those. Lord, if there's somebody here who does not know you, Savior, I pray that you would just impress on their hearts now, just draw them close, give them the courage to come and speak to me. Lord, as we worship through giving and through song, I pray that the worship flows from hearts of love, that it flows from hearts that are um, thankful. Lord, for, for so many ways that you've blessed us, but also, Lord, that you've called our names to be your children. God, I thank you that we can worship you together today. And Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.